The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, take your Bibles with me. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to ask you to stand as we read the first six verses of Hebrews chapter 11. This is, this is known as the chapter of faith, the, the, also called the Hall of the Faithful. And so we're going to teach today from this passage of Scripture. Let's look at verse number one together. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Lord, thank you for a nation, though we have many problems in America. Thank you that it is still a nation of freedoms, that we are free to assemble together this morning, that we are free to open your word, that we are free to read that word, and that we are still free to preach our convictions on that word. And Lord, we thank you for all those that are here today in obedience to you and with a desire to hear your word. So I pray that the message that I will speak now will be the message that you have have placed in my mind and in my heart. And I pray, Lord, that you will guide every word that is said. May everything we do this morning glorify you. Bring honor to our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Faith, by definition, is a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Complete trust without question. But the scriptural definition given for faith that we find in scripture, which we read this morning, identifies two important factors of the believer's faith. Those two things we saw were substance and evidence. So while the definition is a belief in something for which there is no proof, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 tells us that there is substance and evidence in the believer's faith. It is not merely a concept It is not simply an expression. 
I mean, our faith is more than just saying, well, I have faith. Oh, I have faith in that. People say that all the time, don't they? And people express faith all the time. But you see, the Christian's faith is not just an expression. It's not merely a concept or an idea. Now, the evolutionists today, they also express faith in their unsubstantiated theories. Theories such as the Big Bang. Or, or, or they put faith in their 4.5 billion year timeline of the universe. Yet to the most rational mind, there is nothing supporting those theories. They contain no substance. But you, the believer this morning, your faith does have substance. Our faith this morning is a tangible faith. Now, the word tangible can be defined under two abstract thoughts. There are two types of tangibility. The first one is called palpable tangibility. And this is a, a tangibility a tangibility with the capacity for touching to be felt it's it's a it's a tangibility that you can touch uh, this pulpit I can touch it this is palpable tangibility the pulpit is palpable you are palpable I can go over and touch you but you're 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 you are a tangibility that's capable of touching and and feeling but there is a second type of tangibility, and it is material tangibility. Now, material tangibility is something that is appraisable or, or um, accessible by the mind. So when something is materially tangible, uh, it, it's something that we can, we can appraise or, or place value upon in our mind. So the first of these two thoughts, we cannot apply to, to the Christian faith because we, we, can't, we cannot touch faith. We can't hold it. We can't, we can't examine it with our eyes. So it's not palpable, but it most definitely is material. This thought applies to the faith of the believer. So what we're talking about here is material tangibility when we talk about the Christian faith. It's capable of being precisely identified or realized by the mind. It also means that it's capable of being appraised and assessed an actual or an approximate value. So it's a tangibility uh, that, that applies to our Christian faith. Now, someone might argue that the evolutionist faith and his theories are the same as the believers. But is this really true? Is there really any substance in the theories of the evolutionist? Now there is, there is tangible proof of the universe. I mean, we can look up in the sky and we can see. We can see the stars and we, we can see all those different things up in space. There is tangible proof that the universe does exist. And there is tangible proof 
that life arose on earth. Right? I mean, it's evident from all the, all the different life we see about us, the trees, the grass, the flowers, the birds, you and me. It's, there's tangible proof that life arose on earth. But there is no tangible proof to support their theory of the evolution of the universe from a singularity. You realize everything, you realize they say everything you see, including yourself, all started from something smaller than an atom. Hence the Big Bang. Bang. And I've said it before, I believe there was a Big Bang. God said, let it be, and bang, it was there. And there is no tangible proof to support their extravagant timeline. Which, by the way, is necessary if they will argue for evolution. If they're going to argue for evolution, they have to have this extravagant timeline. Because they can't produce evidence in a viewable span of time. Hence, they use a system known as carbon dating. Now, again, I don't have time this morning to teach a science lesson. You want to know what carbon dating is all about? Go see Mr. Andrews. <laughs> but it's a system they use to date fossils and other things they, they find. And they use this system to date them as billions of years old. But the truth of the matter is, my friends, the truth of the matter is carbon dating is only accurate back 5,700 years. That's it. Not a moment passed. It can only date something that old. But they, they have convinced the world that they have proof of all of this. So since there is no precise method of proving their timeline, and since there is no accurate method of assessing their theories, their theories cannot be defined as substantial. So their faith in their theories is unsubstantiated faith. So this brings us to the second factor, factor in the scriptural definition of faith, evidence. So we, we've already argued, and, and I think all of you here probably agree, there's no substance in their theories. There's no substance in, 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 in evolution. So what about evidence? Well, the power of evidence is in the ability to prove your claims. To do this, there must be reconcilable historical records. Now again, with regards to the evolutionist theories, there are no historical records dating back 4.5 billion years. There was no one present to witness the Big Bang. No one was around to measure the water as it deposited on the earth so there is no reconcilable historical record to support their evidence. It is simply circumstantial. Circumstantial evidence is evidence that is derived from inferences in an attempt to connect it to a presupposed conclusion. In other words, it's conjecture. Conjecture is an opinion 
or conclusion formed on the basis of incomplete information. To put it bluntly, they just backed into their theories. Well, we're here today, uh, and we weren't here before, so we had to get here. So there had to be something, but there was nothing, so what did we do? Well, we create a big bang, and then we dirty up a bunch of snowballs, and we send them to earth, have them crash, and boom, man pops up. And, and you laugh, but that's about, that's about how much sense their theories make. If you ever listen to them, you, you understand when the Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. In science, the theory is accepted until it can be disproven. But if you cannot go back 4.5 billion years, then you can't disprove it. But thankfully, we don't have to disprove their circumstantial evidence. Because we have direct evidence. Direct evidence supports the truth of an assertion directly, without need for any additional evidence or inference. <laughs> as believers, we have direct evidence. Evidence such as 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning. The beginning. Amen. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ, who was present at the creation of all things. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Who gave us witness of all those things? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus was present on this earth, was he not? He gave witness to the creation of all things, did he not? We have direct evidence, do we not? Our, our evidence of, of how things came to be is not based upon a 4.5 4, 4. billion year unsubstantiated theory. It's based upon the eyewitness report of the Son of God who was present and himself was the creator of all things. What about Genesis 1.1? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Of course, all of this would be considered debatable by the evolutionists, and our argument would fall on deaf and ears. But this too is to be expected. For in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul tells us, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Of course the evolutionist doesn't believe us today. Of course they say we, we base all, everything we believe on a, on a fairy tale. But again... We have direct evidence, amen? Do they? 
They only have circumstantial evidence, conjecture, unsubstantiated proof. So my goal this morning, however, is not to argue down the evolutionists. This message isn't about disproving evolution. Rather, it is to strengthen the heart of God's children by firming up our faith. So with this in mind, I would like to remind us of a few things this morning. So number one this morning, I want to state this, and I want everyone to remember this, that faith is a gift from God. Elementary, right? I mean, this is kindergarten stuff, right? Everybody, we all know this, right? We all know that faith is a gift from God. Yes, but how often do we forget it? See, that's the problem. The problem with men, humans, is we forget. And we forget very, very quickly. That's why history tends to repeat itself. Because men forget the lessons they learn and they make the same mistakes again. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man, The measure of faith. Did you see that? It says, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. So you and I shouldn't sit here this morning and think we're something special because we have faith in the word of God. We shouldn't think ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Because were it not for the grace of God, you and I would be blind today, just as blind as the evolutionists. So if you want to be thankful for anything today, thank God that he opened your eyes. And thank God that he, he, he enlightened you to truth. So this begs the question. Can a man have faith apart from God? Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 states, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Therefore, I must assume that without the word of God, there can be no faith. Without God, no man, no man can gain faith. But of course, we're speaking of spiritual faith this morning, not arbitrary faith. Not faith in temporal things or faith in worldly things. We all exhibit a a sense of faith every day in in such things as that. Uh, For instance, getting in your car and driving. I I commute to work 29 miles one way every day. I'm putting faith in that car when I get in it that it's going to drive the 29 miles and not stop somewhere along the way. But I really don't have faith in that car either because I carry a, a AAA auto card in my wallet. For when that car breaks down. And I also carry a cell phone. So I can call for help. So if you think about it. I really don't have much faith in that car do I? (laughs) We put faith in electrical appliances. You know how many of you have an electric appliance in your home? Every time you grab that thing and turn the switch on. You're you're, you're putting faith that it's properly grounded. And it's not going to electrocute you. So, so we all express faith. I, I think we understand that. Even the, even the evolutionist has a faith, but it's an arbitrary faith. 
It's not a spiritual faith. Spiritual faith comes from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, we read, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that, now that word that, is referring to the subject faith. You're saved by grace, through faith, and that faith is a gift from God. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. There aren't many roads to heaven. There's one. And it goes through the Son of God. Faith is a gift. It is not earned. It is not gained by works. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 9, where he states, Not of works, lest any man should boast. This was addressed by James in his writings. In James chapter 2 and verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. In other words, James is saying, You say you have faith, but your faith is not such that it has substance in your life, and it's not evidenced by works. He says, I'll show you my faith by the substance and evidence it produces in my life. James chapter 2, continuing verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Listen. The devils don't only believe that there's a God. The devils know there's a God. In fact, they've seen him. You and I have not seen him, but they have. And that belief is not enough to save them. That's because it's not spiritual faith. Our faith is a gift from God and it produces works in our life. We cannot help but live for and serve God. We have this misunderstanding that as believers, we will do anything but live for God. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, we read, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Did you see that? It doesn't say the just can live by faith. It doesn't say the just might live by faith. What does it say? The just shall live by faith. In other words, the elect saints of God will live in faith. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Here we see the evidence of faith in practice. I'd like for you to turn with me, please. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. And you read silently with me as I read the first six verses. We read here, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is, this is the faith in practice. God has, has took us from a state of, of, of spiritual death and made us alive. He quickened us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. He's a new creation. I'm still, I still have the same flesh that I was born with. And I'm still the same person that I was born with. But when, when God quickened me, when he made me alive, he, he gave me a new nature. He didn't take away the old nature. It's still there. But he added to me the nature of who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he has enabled me and he has empowered me to overcome my flesh and, and, and the old nature and walk and live in the new nature. Hence, the just shall live by faith. We, we now live in that new nature that we have, which is the nature of Christ. Old things are passed away. We don't do the things we used to do anymore. We're not comfortable doing them. We don't desire to do them. Amen? Listen, if you're comfortable and you desire to do the things you used to do, something's wrong. Something's wrong because God has changed us. And this is the faith that is in us. A faith of substance. A faith of evidence. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul states, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Listen, God ordained an eternity past that when he redeemed us and when he quickened us and when he made us his elect children, that we would walk in the works that he's ordained for us. That we will be holy. Remember, I, I preached a series of lessons last time pastor was on sabbatical on, on holiness. And, and, I, and I said people strive to be holy but we strive to no end because we are holy. We are made holy in his sight. And we need to walk in that holiness. Our faith produces an evidence in our life. We will live by God's grace. And we will live according to God's will and purpose. So yes, believer, you have a real, substantial, and Provable faith. And it is a gift 
from God the Father. Don't, don't ever feel like, like you're, you're some kindergarten kid because you believe in God. Count yourself worthy, and count yourself not worthy, count yourself fortunate that God loves you and that he has empowered you to understand these truths. So faith is a gift from God. But secondly, faith is essential for success. We read it earlier in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without the faith given by God, we can do nothing that is pleasing in his sight. Do you, do you understand that? Without God's grace, nothing we can do nothing pleasing to God. Our prayers are not pleasing to God. Our praise would not be pleasing to God. Our attendance to the word would not be pleasing to God. Going through the ordinances would not be pleasing unto God were it not for his grace. Because without God's gift of faith, such things are done without Christ and without his spirit. There's a lot of people around this world today doing a lot of what's known as religious works. But are those are those pleasing to God? Well, are they? We wouldn't be very popular if we said, no, they're not. But the fact of the matter is, they're not. And we have evidence of that in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Christ said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Listen, this, this is so often confused to express that we, apart from God's grace, could do anything that would be pleasing unto the Lord. But remember, Paul stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I'm going to come back to that. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You notice where Paul says that the grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying, I live the life I live, not because of who I am. I am what I am. I live the life I live. I do the works I do because God bestowed the grace upon me and God's grace is never given in vain. So that person that continues to live a sinful life but claims to be a child of God, you don't have God's grace. 
I'm sorry if, if that rubs the cat the wrong way. But if you live your life to satisfy your fleshly desires and your lusts, you don't have God's grace. Because God's grace is never given in vain. Now, we might fall and we might make mistakes along the way, but we don't stay there. Amen. We're not satisfied. We don't desire that life. We, we, we succumb to it at times. I'm talking about someone who lives their life regularly and joyfully in the works of the flesh, but yet claim to be a child of God. I'm sorry, that grace you have is not God's grace. Because God's grace is never in vain. For some reason, many teach and believe that after God saves us, he's, he's done with us. But is this true? Do we only need faith unto salvation? Is that it? Does God only need to give us enough faith to get saved and then after that we're on our own? Now you've got to develop your own faith. I gave you enough to get you saved, now you've got to do the rest. Is that God's attitude? Or do we need God-given faith to sustain us every day of our lives? Galatians chapter 3. Paul writes, This only what I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? We cannot and we will not live apart from the faith that God has given us. And further, the elect child of God will understand this. This will ring true in our hearts. We cannot succeed. And we will not succeed in pleasing the Lord if we live a life apart from the grace of God. Without faith, we cannot hope to live a life that honors or glorifies God. It, it, faith is absolutely essential. If anyone could do anything that pleases God apart from his grace, then God would receive no glory. And we know that we can do nothing apart from God's grace that is acceptable unto him. In Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Romans chapter 7, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. So without the spiritual faith that was given to us by God, there would be no hope that we could live a life acceptable before God. Nothing, all my good works, all the, all, the, all the good works I could do in the power of my own flesh would not be acceptable to God. None of it. No matter how good it is. So let me conclude with a few final thoughts. First thought is this. The scriptural faith given us by God empowers us. It empowers us. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. Now I know I said give you a few final thoughts, but don't start packing up. Because my few fi final thoughts can last six weeks. 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to them that have ordained like precious faith, or obtained, I'm sorry, like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God in our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. All I can say to that is amen and amen. Did you see what, what do you, do you comprehend what Peter st- said there? According to the divine power of God, he's given to us all things. He's empowered us in all things that pertain to life and godliness. Listen, we have been empowered by God. So the faith that we have today from God is essential for our, our success because that faith empowers us to live a, 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 a holy life. Without it, we don't have a hope. We don't have a, any chance of living a successful Christian life. But my second thought is this. The scriptural faith given us by God enables us. It not only empowers us, but it enables us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Do you see that verse? Do you see the words in that verse? Do you see the message in that verse? God has made, he, he, he makes all grace abound to us that we have all sufficiency in all things. Listen, Christian, you need nothing else. If you need anything other than the grace of God to be happy, I don't know what to tell you. Because he has given us all sufficiency. And, and he's, made, he's, he's enabled us to abound to every good work. You see, the world and the devil and your flesh wants you to think, uh, God, doesn't, God can't use someone like you. you. You're not good enough for God. Well, that's true. None of us are good enough for God. But it is God that has enabled us. It is God that empowers us. It is God that has quickened us. It is God that has made us holy and righteous in his own sight because we possess the holiness and righteousness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Oh, if you just understand this truth, it sets you free to live your life to the glory of God the Father. It, it, it breaks the bonds that, that, that stereotyping in this world has upon us. It enables us. But then, my last thought, the scriptural faith given us by God, equips us. It not only empowers us, it not only enables us, but it equips us. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, 
Now look at verse 21. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God equips us. He equips us so that we can do the work that he's called us to do. What a great faith we have. Did you, did you really know you had all of this? We say, oh, we've got faith. As a, as a shallow, empty statement. Listen, you need to see your faith for what it is. You need to understand how great a faith we have. We don't have, we don't have a, an arbitrary faith. We, we don't have an unsubstantiated faith. We don't have an unprovable faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So today, rejoice. Rejoice in this great faith that we possess. And not only rejoice in that faith... But live in that faith. Walk in that faith. Speak of that faith. Strive to to enhance the faith of all those around you by their knowledge of these things. It is the gift of God. Not everyone you meet has this kind of faith. Because it is a gift from God. And it is essential. It is essential for success. We'll never, we'll never live a life pleasing to God if we live apart from faith. From the faith that only God gives us. Let's pray. Our Father, we stand before you this morning and we are imperfect. And Lord, sometimes we like to think that we have it all together. And sometimes we like to think that we know all there is to know. But the truth is, we're like babies, unlearned. So Father, we ask today that your spirit would teach us these great truths. That we would understand the the substance of our faith. That we would see the evidence of our faith. And that our faith would become so great in our lives that it it, it overtakes everything else. And all that we do and everything we desire to do and all we strive to do are to be done to your glory and honor. There's no other way we can do that, Lord. If we we live our lives to, to satisfy our flesh or our own heart's desires, then we will not live a life pleasing unto you. Help us today, Father. Strengthen our weaknesses. Make us strong. And we pray that all that was done today and all that was said today glorifies your holy name and brings honor to our Lord and Jesus Christ. So bless us now as we leave this place. 
Strengthen us in our faith. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.